0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select Campus miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
1: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love.
2: Terms and conditions apply. Let's go! This is the Lombardi line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSN.
3: Okay, it is the Lombardi line here on v the Sports Betting Network. There was a little concern that my partner wasn't going to be here today because he was up late into the night taking notes on Coach Jason Garrett's <laughs> analysis of that Hall of Fame game as we welcome you in. We say, what's poppin'? Hi, Michael.
4: How are you? Uh, it's going to take me a little time. Yes, I, I confess. <laughs> I, I, I confess it will take me a little bit of a time. The smile has to kind of wean itself a little bit. But look, he, I, I'm happy for Jason to have a, a national platform to expound yes. his knowledge to all of us. I took extensive notes and we move on with that. The smile uh, I'm, I'm OK. We'll move on with it. Uh, but it was fun to have football back, Patrick. That was the best part of the evening. Yes, it was. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to get you in trouble. The books had it right. I, all I don't want to get again. in trouble. But I mean, look, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, you know, one of the things about writing the book, you know, that I've written uh, that's still going through the editing process. I got to spend a lot of time during my days with Howard Cosell. And I learned a lot about what Cosell thought, what he said, kind of a little bit that this generation really doesn't know Howard that well, and you know, and what he called the 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 way have to call we have to say if we see it, we've got to say it. So to me, it's just been uh, that that was an education, and I'm happy for Jason to be back where he wants to be. Well, it was the first football of the season, and you sent
3: a couple of notes. One was, it looks like the Raiders have practiced. Uh, let me just set this up here. The book's got it right, Michael. Ends up closing two, 2 and a half with the Raiders favored. A 27-11 win. 16 points in the fourth pushes it over that 30 and a half where it closed. But there was, there was a dichotomy with these two teams. One looks like they had been practicing, and one yeah. hadn't, that being the Jacksonville Jaguars.
4: Well, I think it's a classic example of the West Coast. I mean, first of all, we said yesterday on the show, Doug Peterson took his team later to camp. My man Mick, who, you know, is at the Raiders, he had to leave vacation early or early for teams because they're in the Hall of Fame game and they started earlier. Meanwhile, Jacksonville right. didn't really start that much later. And you could just watch the game from the first moments of the game. The Raider pad level was better, the Raiders looked like they've been in pads more. To me, Jacksonville. It's early. I'm not being critical. Jacksonville looked like they did a lot of walkthroughs. Jacksonville looks like they did a lot of walkthroughs and they weren't really concerned about getting their tempo or their physicality to get to a higher level. Now they've got three more games and maybe Peterson feels like, hey, this was a game I really could care less. I'll start ramping up practice. But I think that was obvious to me early on that the, the, the Raiders had practiced physically and Jacksonville had
3: Well, you score on your first three possessions. I think the concern would be, and I'll start with the Raiders, but just quickly on the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think the concern would be the defense, right? Because a lot of that front seven you're going to see in the regular season for Jacksonville, and specifically the success, Michael, of running the football for the Raiders.
4: Yeah, they got pushed around. But a lot of that is pad level. A lot of that is, you know, if you're not used to physicality. Like, football is not a sport that you can just turn on and turn off. Like, you have to practice physicality. You've got to practice pad level. It's one of the reasons why we see teams, as the season goes on, their pad level gets higher, they're not as effective. You know that's one of the things a coach has to guard against. We are now in the era of football where we're so concerned about injuries that we've now eliminated practice. We don't want practice. You got to, you know, we'll do walkthroughs. You know, this whole walkthrough notion is hilarious because when you go back, I was a young kid, 1984, my first year in the National Football League. I know that was decades ago, but I went. We were in Rockland, California. It was 100 degrees every day at 8:30 in the morning. The players would leave their door, would leave their whatever we called them, I guess dorms or whatever it was, it wasn't very nice, and walk up to the gym and they would get dressed and they'd come out to practice and people would be out there at 8.30. We would not get off that field till 11.30. It was pads. It was physical. This notion that Bill Walsh was running a finesse offense and he wasn't doing things is completely wrong. It was physical. Now, they also learned how to practice without pads physically too. But there was physicality in his practice, and we have gone away from it completely because we're so worried about injuries. And And I understand that. I get that. But there has to be some balance in between, especially us as bettors in a betting network. We've got to be able to handicap this. Like, do we think Jacksonville's going to start the season off really well? You know, one of the things we looked at last year, Patrick, when we talked about opening weekend was rushes and completions from the year before. It doesn't tell you who's going to win. It just tells you who's executing. And Arizona last year, two years ago, were very good at the opening game. So that's why we picked them to beat Tennessee in the opener. You just got to look at that. Andy Reid's the same way. John Harbaugh's the same way. So I think that's kind of uh, the point here that I'm trying to make. Okay, so a couple
3: of things based on what you said. One, that really stood out to me when I read – gridiron genius, was Walsh, known for finesse, known as an offensive genius. I, his, his practices, the way you laid it out in the book, seemed like as tough as any practices across the NFL. That's one. So sometimes perception doesn't add up to reality. Do me a favor. Walk us through the way you're watching last night. Now, we'll get to the shout-out for you. I had the volume down at that point, but I just saw Jick Jack say, you got a shout-out, so we got to get into that. But walk us yeah. through what you're watching so maybe you can help the better when you're taking a look at these teams and why don't we start with Jacksonville you
4: said pad level to start let's what were you watching for I was watching for their pad level, their physicality. Could they play off box? Did they Were they aware of formations? You know, the Raiders ran toss-crack repeatedly in the game, and Jacksonville never really adjusted to it. They never really saw a tight end in a tight split, so they never really reacted to it. The Raiders could have had a lot more yards on their toss-crack play if they would have just – because they had it sealed off to the inside. If the tackle would have not gone inside, it would have gone outside. They got it corrected later in the game. But to me, it was the execution of Jacksonville, the lack of pad level, the lack of disengaging. And look, the speed of the game, so we're clear here, the speed of practice Mm -hmm. in any NFL team is is not as fast as the first preseason game. That's fact. The speed of the preseason games is not as fast as the first game. The speed of the first quarter is not as fast as the fourth quarter. So what I was seeing was a team that was reacting very slowly. And I was also seeing a team that wasn't very good with their backup offensive line. So that's what I was watching. I was trying to watch who was playing against who, getting some level of competition, and then trying to figure out what players were doing well based on who they were going against and the pad level of both teams. Well,
3: what I find fascinating, I'll get to the quarterbacks in a second. What I find fascinating is with the new regime there with the Raiders, everybody's on trial. I mean, this is an audition for everyone, and that includes Josh Jacobs. We've talked about extensively the drafting of, of course, the old regime there with the Raiders. They were giving Jacobs a shot, and frankly, he performed. The five carries, 30 yards. He also had the two catches for 14 yards, which I think is important because remember, they drafted Zamir White. There's competition behind the former first rounder.
4: And they got Abdullah, who's a good player. They also signed Brandon Bolden, who's a great special teams kid and a very good guy in their locker room. So, yeah, I think the pressure's on. I think there's certain players like, like Jacobs that has to prove it. Like, he's not getting a pass with the new staff because of his fumble history, his lack of durability, his lack of interest in, in really being in tune to the program. He's going to have to change to fit into the culture. The culture's not fitting into him. So he's going to have to prove he'll fit into the culture before they're going to give him a starting job and say, "Okay, here you go. And it's the same thing with Drake. Just because John Gruden signed Drake doesn't mean this staff's going to do that. So I think running backs, certain backs need to play a little bit. Right. I I think they need to get their pad level down. I think White certainly looked better as he got going running the football. But I think there is some times where, you know, you've got to prove it to the new staff. And that is where I think Jacobs is right now.
3: Look, it's a 10-win team from last year. The Raiders, their win total right now. I'm checking out DraftKings. is set at eight and a half. I, I don't know. I am, yeah. uh, I'm bullish well, on the team. I'm impressionable. You, you and I go opposite ways. Can I just? I know you're going to finish, but let me just say this: You and I go opposite ways. You, because your son's the offensive coordinator, are going to be more critical. <laughs> I, I got to meet the guy, so I'm all in on this team. But the, there's some. I like the juice in this Raiders team.
4: Well, I think the reason the book is saying eight and a half is because when you go back to last year, I think they put that graphic up on television about how many close games they won. They won those four games down the stretch and how many close games. But as we said yesterday, they've got a legitimate field goal kicker. I mean, I'm screaming at the TV when Stidham takes that sack. You can't take that sack, Jarrett. You can't, you know, uh, I'm going to yell at his coach for this, for allowing him to do it. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Carlson comes in and (laughs) makes a 55 yarder right down the middle. And it would have been good from 60, right? So, you know, okay, he gets away with one, but that's because Carlson's so good, and we talked about that yesterday on the program. I do think the Raiders are going to be a better situational football team than they were last year just because of the way Josh McDaniels coaches. You could mm-hmm. see it. I mean, you can see it. You can feel it. I, I think his offense will continue to grow because, remember, their offense is game plan specific. It is not going to be they're going to run this. They're going to be how do we have to play this game this week in order to, be the, to win the game.
3: Okay, there were no questions last year, Michael, about the backup with Marcus Mariota. He obviously has departed. Stidham. Went 8 of 15. Obviously, Stidham is a carryover with McDaniels from New England. But he goes 8 of 15, 96. What you saw was him scooting a little bit with the wheels on that touchdown score.
4: Yeah. I, I thought his best throw of the night was the drop by number one. I mean, one- one's, throw- one's drop. That was an easy catch, too. He should have made the catch. You know, it was a great throw. He was going to get hit. He had pressure coming from his right side, uh, the defensive left. But he knew he was going to get hit, and he, put- he dropped it right on the button. So I, I think, you know, Stidham, he got you know he hadn't played in a year, Patrick. He hadn't really taken any reps. Right. So it was a good game for him to get going. He kind of knew what they wanted to do. I think it was a good starting point for the Raiders. They'll go back to the drawing board. They got Minnesota next week. They could continue to work on their fundamentals, their techniques, and the things that they have to do. They protected the football, all those things that Josh has been preaching. I think that's ultimately where they're going to go.
3: Well, if you say you come out injury-free, you run the football – you forced three punts and a fumble in the first half, I think the Raiders coaches are flying back to Vegas feeling pretty damn good about themselves because the defense played well.
4: Yeah, I I think when you look at, and again, this is for the better, I think we can only look at sections of teams in preseason. I think they know their backup left tackle based on last night's a little bit iffy, but I thought their offensive line responded.
3: Okay, that's the Raiders' perspective here on the Lombardi Line, V-CIN, the Sports Betting Network. When we come back, the Jags, what to expect out the gate. We'll take a look at their schedule. Also, I got a TV star I'm working with here. There were more shout-outs for Michael Lombardi yesterday (laughs) than Kardashians on TMZ. We'll get to that next here at Lombardi Line.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip.
2: terms and conditions apply
4: you're listening to the lombardi line on v featuring former nfl executive michael lombardi now once again here's patrick maher
3: okay it is the college football betting guy i was actually talking to adam burke who was a big part of the college football betting guy pec 12 and i think the sec in particular I mean, these guys are so smart. They provide the information. You take the information and you make some cash. 131 teams, Heisman, season win totals. They've got everything for you. 175 bucks right now, but when you sign up, you get everything we offer, including the college football guide and the pro football betting guide, through the Super Bowl. When I tell you this investment, I wish I had this type of information 20 years ago when I was betting. You can get it right now. VSIN.com slash subscribe. It's a college football betting guide. Make sure you check it out. And when you're there over at VSIN.com, take a look at how these coaches are going to pick their quarterbacks coming out of training camp. Of course, Michael Lombardi, that's the article, as we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line. This is v the Sports Betting Network. He is Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. Okay, let's go to the Jags. This is, it's an interesting, it's interesting. So three and 14 straight up last year, they covered less than 30% of their games. So changes were made. Obviously, Doug Peterson, they ink, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram and free agency. Before we get to what you saw yesterday, were you satisfied with the Jags' off season,
4: Well, I mean, look, they, you know, they've spent a lot of money. And, you know, they put their money, you know, to, uh, they, they decided they needed more skill. They signed Jay Jones. They gave Christian Kirk a record contract. They put money into their offensive line, re-signing Cam Robinson on the transition tag. You know, Trent Baalke, their general manager, was going, you know, putting all these pieces together. So I think he tried to do his best that he could and spent a lot of money. Now we'll see if they can reap the rewards. What I thought last night, Patrick, was how Mm -hmm. much Chris was talking about how Peterson was tiptoeing kind of around the team. The aftershocks, and never said Urban Meyer's name, but we all know who he was talking about. But the Urban Meyer effect, to me, was part of the conversation, deep conversation. And it seemed to me like peterson was trying to as chris said win the confidence of the players but i'm not sure like I, I, to me i i it, the play and if you're tiptoeing i don't know how you do that
3: it was ominous the way they were discussing the team no so let's get into what we saw from the team specifically no trevor no trevor lawrence no cj bethard we understand no Travis etienne uh, I, I think those additions you know, Kirk, do you like the contract? I don't know. Zay Jones, talented. The production hasn't been there. Evan Ingram, not necessarily a pass catcher. He is electric when he gets the ball in his hands. I, I think some of it's a little underwhelming. I'm looking at both BetMGM and DraftKings. Do you know the season win total? Or you, I guess you see it there, but six
4: and a half. I mean, we're going to go yeah. from three to seven if you're going over this total? I, I mean, look, you know, and, 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 and I mean, a couple things here. Uh, Chris Sims, who is very critical of of quarterbacks, fundamentals and techniques because he played the position and he looks very closely at it and he studies it. He works at it. He has an opinion. and, And and I think it's great that he does. But he was complimentary towards Lawrence and he was never all in on Lawrence last year based on his mechanics and what he talked about. The mechanics is something I've talked about repeatedly on our show about how he changed his mechanics week to week and he wasn't in rhythm. I'm anxious to watch Lawrence play and see what that looks like. I'm anxious to see what is the offense going to be for the Jacksonville Jaguars? You know, Peterson admitted to Collinsworth that, you know, the RPO game isn't quite what it was five years ago when he was running it with Wentz. So we'll see where that goes. And I'm going to see if they're really good enough at receiver. Did they really improve? Did they move the needle with Kirk? Did they move the needle with Jay Jones? Are they going to have playmakers? You know, because we could see Treadwell was out there. I don't think that's going to be the answer. Chenault's a nice player, but he doesn't run really well. He's not an explosive guy. So we shall see. I mean, you know, if Robinson's not 100 percent and ATN is still really more of a scat back, where are they at running back?
3: Okay, so they open at the commanders. They come back and host the Colts. They're at the Chargers. They're at the Eagles. So that little stretch there, week three, week four for Jacksonville on the road. That's not easy to go cross country, come back, settle in, go up to Philly. It's not easy, Michael.
4: No, and look, they have the Colts twice in the first what six weeks. That's not going to be easy either. Uh, and you know, it's going to be it's going to be how do they develop the team? And to me, what I heard from Collinsworth last night was there's some internal problems within the team that are the residue of where it was last year, and mm-hmm. they didn't specifically get into it. But to me, for them to lead with that conversation, you know, Chris knew a hell of a lot more than he was talking about. Right. He was trying to be politically correct with his with the way he framed it. And Peterson feels like he's dealing with an issue. I don't know quite what it is, whether it's trust, whether it's the players. And so he's not going and you could see it when he said that. And then I watched the game and I saw the game, the lack of pad level, the lack of physicality. I could see he's taking it easy on the players. He, don't, he doesn't want to put them into this situation where they're going to be, oh, my God, we got another guy coming in here beating up on us. So we'll see how this goes. But the encouraging part, if you're a Jaguar fan, is, is what Sims said in the pregame is how he threw the football.
3: That's interesting you said that because you're more perceptive than I am with a former player and an analyst like that in Collinsworth. But it was ominous, right? Like I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, does he want to tell us something, Chris? Do you, do you want to tell us something?
4: Yeah, he kept referring back to it, too. Like, he knows something that he can't say. He got something off the record. And I think as as betters, we need to take that information in and what is it. Like, let's, let's not anticipate this team starting fast. Now, let's not, because I think he's going to gradually build into it. Now, as betters, I think we should anticipate Lawrence is going to be better. Will he still throw 17 interceptions? I don't know. You know? I think you've got to understand that. Where are they? Where's Peterson as a head coach, right? We know this, and I've said this numerous times. The Eagles feel like they carry the head coach. The head coach doesn't carry them. Jacksonville's expecting him to carry them. So can he advance himself in that role? You know, where are they defensively? Mike Caldwell's never been a defensive coordinator. He's been with Todd Bowles his entire career. They're going to run Todd Bowles stuff. But again, he's going to be new. So there's going to be some newness down there that us as betters to meet it to go out on the limb and say seven wins, I think that's a little bit uh, pessimistic.
3: You know, I mean, said that about the. Excuse me. Yeah, no, I, I I totally get what you're saying. You said that about the defensive coordinator as well, Michael. I I wrote down in my notes, defense getting pushed early. That's not a good look because we expect these defenses to be well ahead of the offenses in the preseason.
4: Yeah, and you'd expect that, you know, and so look, they weren't doing anything scheme-wise, so give them that, Uh, you know, but to me, I think it was more fundamentals and techniques with their defense that I was disappointed in than their scheme, because I I know they weren't going to have much scheme. But to me, coming off blocks, making tackles, being physical, those things I didn't see because I think they haven't practiced very much. Now, they got three more games. They're back to square one with everybody else, and they'll see what they do in the upcoming three games and if they start to play. Look, when you're a young team like Jacksonville, you got to play your guys. Like, Like, why is Jacksonville saving anybody? Like, they're not good enough to save anybody. You know, it's the old Belichick line. What are we saving it for, right? If you're Philadelphia, you think you're a Super Bowl team, okay, maybe you're going to save it. By the way, Jalen Hurts didn't have a good practice yesterday. It was even in the Enquirer, which is shocking. But anyway, so, you know, I, I think you've got to understand how you want to deviate this and how you want to build the team. You want to build a foundation. If you're building a foundation on soft practices, that's not going to last.
3: I'm going to tease you. I pulled up a tweet earlier this morning about Jalen Hurts that is maybe going to make you walk off the show. So that's a tease. If you want to see Michael Lombardi walk off his own (laughs) television show, that's coming up in just a little bit. Trevor Lawrence, maybe, okay, I'll just admit, maybe an ignorant question, and then I'll get to his passing prop for the year. But why didn't Lawrence play yesterday? I'm sorry, again, might be ignorant, but why isn't he playing?
4: I don't know the answer to that. Like, I don't know why they just, to me, I I think if you're taking, look, I I don't understand the tiptoeing around last year. You're a new coach. You're coming in. A lot of the players that are on the team are new. You know, you get the kid from Atlanta to play linebacker. You got Walker from Georgia. You got the Lloyd kid, you know, who you drafted in the first round. You got a bunch of draft picks. You got free agents. Like, you know, he's gone. I mean, he's gone. Let's get on to something. Let's build some momentum. Let's get some confidence. And maybe he will get some. Maybe they'll start him in the the second week. But I would have thought they would have gone out there and try to just get a little bit of rhythm going with the quarterback, just a little bit, and play your offensive line, get them going. I think you got to play offensive linemen. I really do. I don't think you can save those guys. I think you got to play them. Now, I think you got to play them when the other team's playing their guys, because you don't want be, to. when they play against they when they play against bad players, the, the guys on the ground they get hurt.
3: Here's what I do know, Michael Lombardi. Preseason superstar, USFL superstar, Kyle Slaughter. He's somebody to back as far as his props in weeks two and weeks three in the preseason because that dude slangs it in the preseason.
4: Yeah, no doubt. You know, he gets a chance to and he has a feel for it. I mean, I I thought Luton played slow. Now, maybe it's because they, you know, Slaughter, Slaughter, is that how you say his name? Slaughter, I thought he played faster.
3: You say Slaughter, I say Slaughter, I say Slaughter, Slaughter, you say Slaughter. It. Uh, it's, uh, I, whatever he, you say. He, he, is the you know right that's way. an old. That's an old. That's an old wide receiver as well. I mean, it's a kid that yeah. lit up the USFL, and for the past few years has played very well in the preseason. That's what. Listen, as a better, you're looking for little edges like that. You're not concerned with Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence. When we come back, I do want to set up Trevor Lawrence's numbers for the year as far as props, and then we'll get into a very special shout out on the broadcast yesterday. Now, Michael Lombardi may not have heard his name because. As you know, he likes to watch these games sans That's volume. So <laughs> also, we do have an answer as to who's the head of the NFL's appeal of the Deshaun Watson case. That's all coming up next here at Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM.
4: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi.
2: Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
3: Okay, Brent Musburger, thank you. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM Sports it has all your favorite wagering options, in-game betting, specials, and much more. You know it. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip. Bring that state-issued ID. Whatever your sport, whatever your style, you're ready to bet there at BetMGM. State-of-the-art technology. you got to be 21 years or older, and if you have a gambling problem, it's 1-800-522-4700. Again, the tease is, I think Michael may walk off his own show coming up in about a half hour, so we (laughs) shall see if that is going to happen. Josh Applebaum's going to join us coming up in just a little bit as well. Uh, Question for you, before I get to the numbers, and again, he's Michael Lombardi, I'm Patrick Maher, this is VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Question for you, expectations before you hear the numbers of Lawrence, and the reason I ask that, Contrast what we saw as far as the system last year and what you
4: expect from Peterson this year. I mean, I think it'll be better. Look, Lawrence has taken upon himself to improve. I think he understands what it takes to be a professional, that you're just not going to walk in the NFL and dominate. Uh, So I I expect him to be better. I expect the offense to be better. I think they'll move the football. You know, I, I think there certainly will have bumps in the road. I think the liabilities will show up once we kind of see this team come together. But they should be able to be a formidable team offensively. And he should get better because the guy calling the game played quarterback. So he's going to see the game through that quarterback's eyes. He's going to do everything in his power to help the quarterback be a good player.
3: Okay, so we know what he did last year. I'm taking a look right now at DraftKings and BetMGM with the numbers for this year. Do you want to take a shot at what you think the prop is on Trevor Lawrence and his
4: passing number? Well, let's see. Yesterday, there we were talking about quarterbacks, and you know, we were at 4,000 yards on, on uh, I'm going to guess 4,200, Patrick.
3: You're pretty damn close. It's 4,000 and a half. So, if he just goes over 4,000, remember, I think it was Trey Lance that was set at, what, 35? 3,800. Somewhere in there, 3, 35 and a half. Yeah, yeah 3,600, exactly. So, 4,000 and a half. I mean, he does have, I might not be blown away by the weapons, but he does have better weapons, and it is going to be a better offensive system. And I'll give you the numbers from last year. Last year, Lawrence passed for 41 12
4: touchdowns and 17 picks. And he's going to throw it. I mean, Peterson wants to throw the ball. You know, he's from the Andy Reid school of offense. And so he's not going in the game like he did and trying to run it. You know, he's going to throw it, I think, a little bit. And so I expect those attempts to go up. I also expect them to be behind in some games. So that will allow him to gain some yards as well. So I think that that those two kind of storms combining together, I think will lead him over that number. I would be surprised if he didn't get there. You know, the market is pretty bullish
3: on Travis Etienne. We did not see the rookie out of Clemson last year, Michael. His number is set at 705.5. Now, you mentioned he's going to be catching the ball out of the backfield as well. Peterson and his usage of the running back, specifically out of the backfield, 705.5 for Etienne.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I think to me what I would see is, is I don't know enough about Etienne to make this call because can he protect, right? You know, he's 215 pounds. He should be able to pass protect. But if he doesn't pass protect, then, you know, how is he on the field when you have to throw the football or you want to throw the football? That, that's what concerns me. And until I see that, that's hard for me to judge that number. That's an arbitrary number. I'm not sure the book knows. Right. You know, but, uh, you know, when you watch Peterson or you watch the Kansas City offense, typically that hasn't been, you know, we're going to throw it to the back all the time. That's a lot of yards for a back to gain. But, you know, if he's the other back, if he's a back, they're going to slip out a little bit like what they do with, you know, what they do with with the kid in Dallas, Gibson in Washington, you know. And so if they do that, then you got a chance. But I I don't know, can he stay healthy for the whole time? Can he pass protect? I think those are question marks that I would have. And by the way, we talked about Christian Kirk resetting that wide receiver market, which he did.
3: There's a lot of wide receivers in this offseason that owe a Christmas card to Christian Kirk. His yeah. receiving prop, okay, is set at 825 and a half. I'll give you what he did in Arizona, but 825 and a half, by the way,
4: you want that to be up
3: close to 1000 for a guy that you gave that type of cash to.
4: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, look, right? I, I think to me, yeah, I, I mean, look, he, if you paid him as a, you said, would you turn that contract in? You said, this guy's a number one receiver. Do you believe right. that? You, you know, do you believe he's a number one? Because you knew you were going to change the market. You knew you were going to be in a situation where he was going to have to really excel to to do that. And, you know... Where do you feel like he can add to your team? And one thing about being a number one receiver, which I think is the biggest fallacy in all the sports, there's very few of them, right? There's very few of them. What concerns me the most is is can they get him the ball consistently? Now, the one thing you have going for you in his favor last year, he the he was he he had a hundred and three attempts in his direction, and he caught seventy four point eight percent of those attempts for seventy seven. Now he was only at twelve point eight a catch, which isn't great. That's not like a number one receiver. So, you know, you got to feel like, OK, he could, you know, he's going to he's got to make some plays and do all those things. But at least when the ball is in his direction, he's going to come down with it at a high level for a receiver, which is really good.
3: Well, may I just say if in four years, that average, the best he's had is thirteen seven. For a speedster yep. like that, you want to stretch it a little bit more than that, Michael. And last year, no as far as receiving yards, 982 was the best of his career. The second most was 709. I mean, this, is, this was a wild contract.
4: We'll see if it pays off. Yeah, I mean, look, they, 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 he was what they felt like the best of the bunch. And as you look back on it, you know, all these guys have signed new deals. So if you're Balky, you're sitting there saying to yourself, well, I got to pay this guy because nobody's making it to the market. Right. Nobody's making it to the market. A.J. Brown's not making. I can't. Where am I going to get one? Who's making it to the market that's a good player? So if you want to defend Balky, you say, OK, I got to sign this guy. He's the only legitimate player who's made it to the market, who's got good skills. Is that fair? I guess what I would yeah, ask I mean, you. I, I say it's a little bit more of a desperation play than it is anything. But, you, I mean, in fairness, either you wait on drafting them. You know, you didn't re-sign D.J. Chark, right? Right. For some reason, you know, because he's coming off the knee, Detroit gets him, you know, and and he was the explosive outs. I think it would have been cheaper to sign Chark than it would have been to sign Kirk, although they know Kirk they know Chark better than anybody. They should know Chark, Chark better than Kirk. As a
3: Lions fan, I was actually happy to get Chark. I mean, that's a gamble. It's a one-year deal. Uh I will
4: put it I to you this way, I, I know- would have done that. I would I like those one-year. When I was, I mean, to me, the one-year deals never bothered me. I mean, I, I liked it because Agreed. both of us were were in a situation where we had to make a decision. Like the like, a one-year deal. If he's healthy, he's motivated. You know, is Kirk motivated? Is he going to come back? And then, I'm I'm paying Kirk. Like he's going to get 15 yards of catch and he's going to get 13 or 12. That's not really what I want to pay him for. Can I fi- See, what's fascinating about the receiver market is all these guys who have gotten contracts weren't drafted in the first round. Like they weren't. Point. You know, and, and I don't know if it's going to prove out to be true. But, you know, when I scan the morning, when I go to the red zone and scan the morning papers and I read about Romeo Dobbs up at Green Bay, the kid from Nevada who's having a, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going out of his way to talk about him. Meanwhile, Christian Watson's still on PUP. Right. And and they're going out of their way to talk about some in the fourth round. It, it reinforces my belief that why are we paying these guys so much money when it's been proven you can get them somewhere else in the draft? You don't have to have a top five pick. I guess what I'm saying is with Chark, I'd take the show. You know what that reminds me of?
3: Darrell Rivas. Yeah. Where it didn't. Wasn't it a one year deal where they said, here, we'll take yeah, a we shot did. on
4: you. You take a shot on us and we'll see what we can happen and what happened A championship. Right. Right. It happened. And then he, of course, he, you know, he went somewhere else. He got a ton of money to go. So he got his money back and we got what we wanted. Same thing with Brandon Bolden. I mean, you know, come in one year. Okay. You got to be prepared. Look, the NFL is all about change. And if you're not prepared to change, like we're not going to give out scholarships and you're going to be here for four years. Even college football is not doing that.
3: Can I just, and I know you talked about LaVisca Chenault earlier and said you weren't blown away by him, but I don't know. Is there a huge difference between Chenault and Christian Kirk? I mean, Chenault's two years in, That's last year, question. 619 That's on 63 yards. Like, seriously, I'd
4: take the chance with question. Chark because Chark could be special, Michael. Yeah, I mean, I, I, but he gives you something. You know, when you put Chark out there, you, you know, and, and the, as fast as he is, and he's a kind of a limited route runner, but you've got to defend that route. You know, I mean, nobody's rolling the coverage to Kirk. In fact, you, if you really want to say anything, you say Kirk was a beneficiary of, you know, of when Hopkins was playing The ball was going to him. Now, A.J. Green, to me, I didn't – I mean, A.J. Green was below 60% in percent of catches, to approaches for attempts. It was horrible. Like, I don't know why they re-signed him back. He looked slow last year. He wasn't the same A.J. Green. Maybe he comes back healthy this year. I don't know.
3: Wasn't it your boy Dandy Don that used to say, turn out the lights, the party's party's over, A.J.
4: Green? Yes, sir. Yeah, well, it looks like it, you know. But, again, the Cardinals. Now, Rondell Moore – you know, between Rondell Moore, Marquise Brown, I mean, they've got a small group, but they do have ex- Andy Isabel. They've got explosive guys there.
3: Okay. So put a bow on it, and we'll move on. The Jags, seven, seven wins feels I like optimistic?
4: The yeah, it I do really too. does. I, I think if they go 6-11, and 11, it would be a hell of a year. But, okay, you know, sure. some people, okay. I mean, I know Will Hills talked about it, maybe as a, as a sleeper pick for the division. I don't see that. But hold on, I just got a text from Will.
3: Super Bowl or bust, Jags. <laughs> Elliot, tremendous job. We've got a clip I want to roll from Bill's camp for Michael Lombardi next here. Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming!
4: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once
2: again, here's Patrick Maher.
3: Okay, it is Bet 160, of course. Lombardi Line brought to you by Bet MGM. No-run first inning Fridays. Insurance on your no-run first inning. You can check it out right there. And free bets up to twenty dollars any Friday Major League Baseball game. Net, bet on that no run first inning wager over at BetMGM. If you have a problem, it's one eight hundred Gambler. As we welcome you back here on the Lombardi Line, I'm Patrick Maher. He, of course, is Michael Lombardi. I'm gonna keep teasing you. We, st- we still got fifteen minutes until Michael walks off his own show here on Syn. <laughs>
4: and I'm gonna tell I have no you, no idea the, what you're talking about. No, I, I know have you no know. idea. The,
3: And I didn't even send it to you this morning because I just want to surprise you with it. So that's coming up in just a little bit. However, before we get into Josh Allen and we've got a clip I want to play for you. Good job, uh, Elliot. But before we get into Josh Allen, can we talk about the shout out you got on the broadcast? Yes, I'm going to embarrass you. But I just saw Jick Jack this morning said tremendous shout out for the Lombardi family. I missed it because like you volume was down. What the hell happened?
4: I don't know. I had the volume down, and then I had a couple people text me that said that they they saw it. So, uh, I I called Millie to see if she called it. She was giving the baby a bath, so I I didn't see. She didn't see it either. So I have no idea. But Jick Jack kind of informed me, as as a couple of my friends did as well. So it was great. I saw. I did see his face on television, which was always so I good did. to see. You know, I saw his face. I saw so that, that handsome good. face.
3: You know. You know what's yeah. funny about Michael? Just so people, I, I think people want to know what Michael Lombardi's like. When Jick Jack, of course, our buddy down in the Bayou, when Jick Jack said, "Hey, you just got a shout out on TV," Michael wrote back, "Love it." When he didn't even hear it, that's a hum- yeah. that's a humble
4: man right there. You didn't
3: even hear yeah. it, you're like, "That's great."
4: I- that's great. You know, Chris is a good guy. I mean, I work with Chris at the NFL. Uh, we worked, I, he and I worked together along with the great Phil Sims on uh, the Showtime inside the NFL. We did it at Mount Laurel. We did it right there at uh, at NFL Films. It was great. Every Wednesday we would go in there. I did that for, th- I think, three years we were together doing that show. So it was great. And, you know, and, and so it was fun to... Uh, to have him talk to Mick. I know Mick and he talked before in the production meeting, so that was kind of good. And it was good to see him get a little bit. He got a chance to call some plays last night. You know, Josh kind of uh, allowed him to start to call some plays during the the game. I don't know at what point, but uh, it was good for him.
3: I was going to ask you, I know Mick is in Josh's ear, Josh McDaniels, the head coach, a um, couple things. One, I don't know if McDaniels really has ever gotten the credit he deserves for being an innovative play caller. It almost feels like every week he has a new wrinkle and you would know better than yeah. anybody. But also, how about just going home for him last night? They made a big deal about it. His father was there. That must have been cool for the McDaniels.
4: It had to be. You know, I, I think when you, when you look about the, the history of Canton and all the great players and the people that have gone through there and the fact that the NFL started there. And for Josh, as he said, for 22 years, he's been in the National Football League. He's never played in the Hall of Fame game. Nobody wants to really play mm-hmm. in the Hall of Fame game back in the day because it, it was your fifth game. You know, so then you had to go to camp early and all those things But when there wasn't rules, you know, like you could go to camp whenever you wanted to back in the day. And so we had the fifth game. It, it was even harder. So for him to go back there, experience with his mom and his dad, his entire family, you know, I, I think it was tremendous. And I know he was really excited. And I thought I love the fact that he said to his mother, look, I don't care. Whoever wants to come, we'll get them tickets. I thought that was great. And look, the rain kind of helped people back. But typically that game. You know, I think they've done a tremendous job with that stadium and, you know, not everybody stays for the whole game, but it was fun to see people in the stands.
3: Yeah, I thought aesthetically it played well. You know, they did a good job with the delay. Got to hear more of coach Garrett, not Jason Garrett, mm-hmm. uh analyst coach Garrett, and uh mm-hmm. which is always good for us. Saw your boy Dick Vermeil, yeah. the Hall of Fame class as well getting announced.
4: Yeah. I think that's, you know, I mean, look, Vermeil is a really good coach, and, and he did a great job here in Philadelphia, and he won a Super Bowl in St. Louis. He'd been to two Super Bowls, one in Philly, one with St. Louis. My point about Vermeil is not that he's not a great coach, is, is there's other guys that have, have had better winning percentages that have done more that needed to get in front of the line. I mean, look, Art Rooney, the official, that's great. You put an official in, how about put Clark Shaughnessy in? Like, Clark Hmm. Shaughnessy's done more for football than Art Rooney did. Now, I'm not diminishing Art Rooney. His day should come. But, like, at some point, whatever happened, what about, you know, uh, some of these other guys that belong in the Hall of Fame that just get overlooked that nobody's pushing them, you know? And and I think that's really the issue. Buddy Parker. You know, Buddy Parker, we would not have two-minute offense without Buddy Parker. We would not have a nickel corner without Buddy Parker. There's a lot of things we wouldn't have without Buddy Parker, but yet he can't get in. And so for me, you know, it starts with Clark Shaughnessy. Clark Shaughnessy is the father of the forward pass, you know, and and we can't even, and he can't get a sniff. Meanwhile, we're putting other people in there. I think that's really, again, once again, it comes back to, Patrick, we don't have a criteria. There's no criteria for putting coaches in. And we call them all contributors. So only one of those, you know, coach, contributor, you know, you can only get one in each category. It's just not fair. I mean, Jack Venesey. The guy who drafted 13 Hall of Famers for the Packers during the 50s. When Lombardi showed up, he had a team that was loaded. They weren't any good. They didn't play good. But he took all those players and molded them into a championship team. And Vinici, unfortunately, dies at 33 years old. And no one really talks about him. And to be fair, you're going to tackle some of these issues in your new book? Oh, there's no doubt. I, I, you have to have a criteria. You can't not just let people in without a criteria. And so, you know, I, I'm going to argue the case for a criteria for coaches and, and really for some players. It cannot be a public relations battle. It, and it ha- you have to have somebody on the committee that has actually studied tape. I mean, like Tony Baselli. I think Tony Baselli was a Hall of Fame talent. I think there's no denying that. I think when I watched him play, his uniform never got dirty. However, right. he didn't play long enough. So... Sterling Sharp sitting down there in Columbia, South Carolina, watching Tony Baselli get into the Hall of Fame, and he can't get in because he didn't play long enough. Meanwhile, he sees Baselli come across the field getting in. Now, yeah, watch Sterling's 17 touchdown passes. Watch what he was able to accomplish in a very short time in his career. Like, why is Sterling paying a price and Baselli doesn't? Tell me why. I don't know. Why does Terrell Davis get in on a short career? And, and 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 Sterling Sharp does it. Sterling Sharp was a great player. Ask Ron Wolf. Oh, he's a great but player. he can't get great college player he can't too. Get, he can't get in. His brother's in, and his brother even admitted that he was the better player in the family. But yeah. but and he had a short career. So okay, you don't want players with short career. I get that. All right, great. That's that's one of your criteria. Great. Then why is Baselli in? Baselli played why, why, what nine seasons. I don't think he played that many. 95 was his first year. I think he stopped in 01 or 02. I think he had the injury. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, mean, he was dominant when he played, but come on. He's a Hall of Fame talent. There's a difference between a Hall of Fame talent and a Hall of Fame player. Right? I mean, Tommy McDonald got traded. He got traded for a kicker. What Hall of Fame player? Now, I know he had 83 touchdown passes. He got traded three times in his career you know wait, once was for a kicker wait i got to like, correct myself but how is Buscelli played 6 seasons i said t- uh, no one i mean you know i didn't he's re- a hall of fame i talent. thought it was closer to 9
3: he's, my goodness
4: no 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 he's a hall of fame talent that that's the problem he's a hall of fame talent he's not a hall of fame player a Hall of Fame player plays a long time. But if that's the rule, then why is not Sterling Sharp in? Like, this is the problem. You make rules, there's exceptions to every rule. That's why if you're, <laughs> it's why the same reason you have to do a grading system for the college draft, because you end up a team of exceptions. Well, we'll take that guy. He doesn't fit, but we like him. That's right, an exception. We'll take that guy. He doesn't fit. He's an exception. Okay, all of a sudden you become a team of exceptions. You're a hall of exceptions now, is what you really are. I brought it up because
3: as I was watching some of the faces uh, being uh, portrayed on the television last night, I was like, Michael is stewing right now. He's either stewing or he's happy about what he's seen. But your, your idea of this criteria not being met and nor being conceptualized is something that you've been in on all, for a long time now.
4: It is the only way you can build something that has sustainability, something that has really cachet to it. You know, I mean, look, you know, there is campaigns going on now that people want to get into the Hall of Fame. It's become now the owners. I think the owners should have their own separate area of the hall. Like, you know, I mean, if I was an owner, would I want to get into the Hall of Fame and be be in there with George Preston Marshall? I don't think I would, Mm -mm. you know. I think I'd kick him out before I go in. Like, that Awkward. should be the movement. Why aren't we kicking George Preston Marshall out? You know, he doesn't belong in there. What he did to the league, you could say all these good things he did. No, he did no good things to the league. He was the, he was the main reason we took so long for racial equality in the National Football League. It's a fact.
3: Okay, I promise. Josh Allen and the Bills Board coming up next. By the way, I, that's my bad as a host. I didn't mention Trayvon Walker. A sack? Nice performance by the number 1 overall pick last night.
4: Careful though, Brandon Parker not a very good left tackle. So okay. again, level of comp. Okay, g- give him his credit, he played, he played hard. He was not playing against a good player.
3: Josh Allen, scrappier this year and is it good? We're going to find out coming up next here on the Lombardi Line. It's Vsin, the
1: Sports Betting Network.